1: here's what's cooking on today's sports stove podcast a big trade in the nfl julio jones the tennessee we're going to cover that major league baseball all-star ballots came out we've got a guest to talk to us about the all-star game then we gonna talk some nhl and some nba to close out the episode today that's what's cooking on today's sports stove podcast
0: From Belly Up Sports and the Belly Up Podcast Network, you're listening to the Sports Stove Podcast with your host, Vince Stover.
1: Welcome in to a new edition of the Sports Stove Podcast. We're excited about everything going on in the sports world. Uh, We're recording just after the Atlanta Hawks and Philadelphia 76ers game. We'll talk about that later in the podcast dad is back with me again today we'll have another guest on in just a few minutes the talk major league baseball all-star game and if you are listening to us i wonder if maybe you could have a better listening experience one of the ways that can happen is with the help of skull candy dad why don't you tell the are the customers the listeners about skull candy
2: Tell you what, whether you're looking for true wireless freedom or total musical immersion, it's time to get great deals on Skull Candy Audio. You've got the uh, Dime True Wireless Earbuds for only $29, $24.99, actually. And you have the Shesh Evo what True Wireless Earbuds, and they're discounted to $39.99. So just go to the skull candy link, click on that in either the podcast uh, description or in the, in the YouTube description or on, in the podcast notes. And that'll let them know that the sports stove sent you.
1: All right. So Skull Candy has been a great partner with us so far. And, uh, we definitely love for you to use some Skull Candy products. I've got my Skull Candy headphones on right now and absolutely love them. I got these for $19.99, by the way. So there are some very affordable options on Skull Candy. There's obviously some high quality stuff there as well. Great opportunities, uh, for you abound. Dad, we're going to start off today talking the NFL. Uh, the news came out today. We're recording on Sunday. Uh, Julio Jones and the Tennessee Titans are going to be teaming up. Tennessee is sending a 2022 second-round pick, 2023 third-round pick, and a 2023 sixth-round pick uh, for Julio Jones. And so Atlanta, you know, the the report came out this week that they could not sign any of their rookies until they traded (laughs) Julio Jones because they didn't have the cap space to do it. So we knew it was going to happen fast. Tell me what you think Julio Jones' addition to Tennessee is going to do to help out Tennessee in the AFC South.
2: Well, we talked about this. I think Julio Jones will help out any team that he goes to. Um, Tannehill has had you know a couple good seasons. Uh, he can throw the long ball, so I, I think it, it could be a help. Uh, not necessarily a Titans fan, but I think it will improve the Titans. Um, you know They've got Brown to go along with it, and, of course, they've got the great running back. Uh, should make them much more competitive. I don't know that it'll make them a shoe in to win the AFC. Um, but it, and it'll create a lot of excitement, uh, for the Titans fans being he's from Alabama. Um, and a lot of graduates there. And, um, so I, yeah, I think it will be a good move. Probably a little surprised that, you know, we'd heard he, he had to have a first round pick to get him <laughs> and he didn't do that. But, um, I, I think the Titans got a good deal on that, and um, we'll see.
1: Well, they obviously wanted a first-round pick, but you know it was pretty clear nobody was sending a first-round pick. And the reason why, it's not because Julio Jones isn't good, but his age, his injury history, and his uh, uh, contract is the issue. He's wanting a new contract, so he's going to cost you a lot of money. Um, and if you're going to give up a first-round pick, you probably want him to be two or three years younger in order to do that. Now, I put out on Twitter just a few minutes ago, I think the Titans will end with their record closer to third place in the AFC South than first place in the AFC South. So here's my thinking on that. First of all, I think the Colts win the division. Uh, I think the Jaguars are going to be better. They're not going to be a playoff team, I don't think. <laughs> I'm going to wait till closer to the season to make a prediction on that. Um, but I think the Jaguars are looking at a eight and nine record, a nine and eight record, somewhere in that range in a 17 game season. And so I think the Titans will be closer to third place than first place record wise. And the main reason I think that is because the Titans have, have had their success when they're running the football effectively and when they're playing good defense. Now, I like Julio Jones. I don't think this is a bad thing for Tennessee to do. My question is, is this going to force them to go away from what they're best at? Meaning, are they going to focus more now on throwing the football when their best successes come running the football? Uh, I don't think it's ever a bad thing to add a player like Julio Jones to your team. I wish Green Bay would have done it. Um, but it fits Green Bay more to have dynamic receivers. If you're the Titans, are you confident that Ryan Tannehill can lead your team throwing the ball mainly as opposed to the rushing game leading your team. And for me, now, maybe you're saving Derrick Henry. Maybe you're adding a couple of years onto his career by bringing in Julio Jones. I don't know. But that's kind of my thought. You might stray away now from what's gotten you successful. And I'm not a Ryan Tannehill believer as far as him being a great NFL quarterback. I think he is an average or maybe even above average quarterback is probably the right way to say it. But I put him in a similar category as an Andy Dalton, uh, kind of in that range of quarterbacks, which some people will take low, but I rate Andy Dalton much higher than a lot of people. Any thoughts on that? Are are the Titans going to go away from what they're good at now, or does it really matter having as much talent as they have now on the offensive side of the ball?
2: Uh, Unless they're trying to save Derrick Henry – I don't think they'll go away from what they've been doing. I think when you add Julio Jones, and now you have him and Brown, then you're when you're setting up the pass, I mean, you've got the weapons. So whenever, I think they'll run the ball, and you'll have to try to stop the run, and then they've got quite the weapons on either side, go either way. And Julio Jones, at this point in his career, with his age, is probably going to be fine about that. You know, he'll catch, I'd say the vast majority of his catches may be touchdowns. I don't think he'll catch Hmm. a lot of balls necessarily every game, but he'd probably be happy with, you know, a touchdown or two um, and going the long ball, plus you've got Brown. Um, I think it'll make it. Defenses are going to have to figure something out with that. And they've had trouble stopping Henry, knowing that's what they were going to do. So um, (laughs) I, I I think it can definitely help. Um, I don't know if the Titans are the greatest thinkers and schematic people, um, but I, it gives them a, definitely another weapon.
1: Well, and you're talking about a new offensive coordinator because Arthur Smith has gone to Atlanta. Um, they're also down a weapon as far as Jonu Smith goes, so they lose their top production tight end. I don't know if Delaney Walker's still there. He was injured last year or opted out last year. I'm not sure which one. Um, but, uh, you know, so you're – I wonder <laughs> it's going to sound funny asking this question but is Julio Jones going to fill the uh, gap that Janu Smith left or is he going to be above and beyond because I don't I'm not saying that Janu Smith is better than Julio Jones the question is in that role and in the way their offense flows I wonder if it's going to be able to fill that void or if it actually improves the team at all any I mean Again, I don't know. I, I feel stupid saying losing Jonu Smith and adding Julio Jones, you know, is that really an upgrade? I guess it is, but any, thought, any thoughts on that?
2: I, I think, yes, I think Julio Jones will fill the gap there. I think the keeper of the Titans will be to find a very good blocking tight end because um, that's going to be a bigger issue. Before, the tight end had to be one of the main receivers. He doesn't yeah. have to be the main receiver now. He needs to be the guy that once or twice a game can go up the middle, catch it when you throw it to him, and a blocker. Now, whether they'll find that guy or to be able to develop that guy, you know, we have to be seen. But I think that's where the change would come, not from running the football, but from being a two or three wide receiver set at times instead of relying on the tight end.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't know that Julio Jones can fill the uh, the the mist. Missed- opportunities of Corey Davis, but we'll see. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. Oh boy, the Titans. We'll see. I, like I said, I think they'll be closer to the third than first, but we will see. Uh, if you're listening to us today, it's in part because we are presented by Yeti Coolers. Yeti Coolers are at home on the dock, at the ranch, in the blind, or on the boat, and the Tundra 65 is no exception. It is uh yeti's most versatile cooler just as adept at keeping your catches cold in the field as it is storing the drinks and food for your backyard barbecue this ice chest the, the tundra 65 is plenty roomy and can hold a limit of redfish or your prized brisket without breaking a sweat you can customize this cooler with your favorite collegiate or major league baseball logo Click the link in the YouTube description or in the podcast notes to visit Yeti Coolers and get your cooler today. Uh, speaking of being able to customize with Major League Baseball logos, we're going to transition now to Major League Baseball. And joining us now is a writer from Belly Up Sports, Graham Wallace. How you doing, Graham?
0: I'm doing great. Happy, uh, happy to be with you guys here.
1: Well, thanks so much for coming, uh, being with us. Now, you've got an article coming out tonight, is that correct, on uh, yeah. the Major League Baseball All-Star ballots, and they're first coming out. So uh, let's get started with a very simple question. Who you got in the All-Star game?
0: Yeah, it's a great question. Uh, I didn't have too much difficulty with my selections this year, um, <laughs> and really happy that there is an All-Star game after last year's uh, kind of rapid-fire uh, season. But I'll just kind of go through it uh, position by position, if that's okay. Yeah, let's do it. uh, You guys can let me know what you think. Uh, First base, I don't think there's going to be a lot of uh, debate or uh, controversy here. I went with Vladimir Guerrero Jr. Um, He's also my pick for American League MVP so far. I know that doesn't mean anything after 56 games. uh, (laughs) But the guy's just leading the world in everything, home runs, OPS, uh, average, you name it. And uh, he's really showed an improved physique as well on the bases and uh, defensively as well. So that's really... Great to see after last season, uh, he kind of showed up uh, to camp and and towards the beginning of the season, not in the best shape. So uh, it's good to see him running around the bases and uh, really hitting the ball hard. Yeah. Uh, in the National League, I went with Max Muncy. Um, I think it was a bit of a different year. A lot of the usual suspects, um, Paul Goldschmidt, Anthony Rizzo, um, Paul uh, excuse me, Joey Votto, the Canadian. I got to shout him out for that. Uh, <laughs> Freddie Freeman, uh, none of them are having really typical years, uh, like they usually do. I think M- Muncy's done enough, uh, so mm-hmm. far to, uh, get my votes, at least for the first uh, few days. I've been trying to vote every day and, uh, he's been getting my votes so far, um, it, 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 second base, um, I went with another Blue Jay. I promised I didn't vote for only Blue Jays. Uh, <laughs> but Marcus Simeon is looking like the player he was in 2019 uh, when he was a top three MVP candidate. Um, you know, DJ LeMayhew is usually in the mix, but he's not really having a great season. It's kind of a microcosm of the Yankees' uh, struggles uh, offensively so far this year, which is very okay with me. But uh, Simeon's been great. He's among the WAR leaders. Uh, had a bit of a slow April, but he's really picked things up. Player of the Month for May, so that's great well, to
1: see. Uh, so at second base in the AL, a guy that I had was Whit Merrifield. How close is is he comparison to Simeon?
0: Uh, I love I love Whit Merrifield, and um, I actually like the Royals probably a bit more than most people did at the beginning of the season. I thought they could be maybe a surprise. Uh, pick, um, they might be around 500, I don't know But to me, he's usually above 300 uh, With a higher number of stolen bases than he currently has um, He's definitely considered um, But I, I don't think he's uh, performed up to his typical level To me, he's one of the best hitters in the American League mm-hmm. One of the best hitters in baseball, really And he's, uh, he hasn't done as well as he usually does uh, Another guy I really like at that position is Brandon Lau but his average is is scarcely over two hundred. He's got pretty good power numbers. Um, it's a really good raised team. He's a big part of it. But um, I really didn't think too hard about uh, going with Simeon there. Okay. Um, in the National League, this one was a bit of a toss up for me, and uh, I kind of I went with Ryan McMahon. Uh, now, hear me out here, uh, Colorado okay. Rockies. A lot of people <laughs> might not know about him. The game's in Colorado. Okay, they've mm. had a tough couple years. Uh, they traded away Nolan Arenado, obviously, uh, last winter. Probably they're going to see uh, Trevor Story walk out the door pretty soon. Um, that's not the only reason I picked McMahon. He's got 12 home runs. His, his power numbers are really good. Say what you will about playing uh, in Coors Field, but uh, I think the guy's done a really good job. Uh, there's a few other guys that deserve consideration, um, but I went with McMahon. That might change in uh, next week or or as uh, phase one continues here, but I, I gave McMahon the nod uh, for now.
1: Yeah, and I had Albies there. Um, Albies has had a great, and he really, uh, especially lately, Albies has been pretty solid. And, you know, looking at that second base spot in the National League, I didn't feel like there were a ton of guys that made a whole lot of sense Uh, there, but I did not take into effect that the game is in Colorado and you've got to have somebody. And I don't think Trevor Story is that guy this year. So you got to have somebody there for sure. Yeah. All right. Good. Keep going.
0: Okay. So shortstop. Um, I went with Xander Bogarts here. At first, it seemed like a really obvious pick, but actually, another Ray almost got in there. Joey Wendell. They have identical wars. I, Joey Wendell is one of my favorite non Blue Jays players. The guy plays with no gloves, just old school. Great defensively. His defensive numbers are quite a bit better than Bogarts, but Bogarts has really impressive uh, offensive numbers. He's been a big reason why Boston's been so explosive this year. So I gave Bogarts uh, the nod for now, uh, but I think I might reevaluate that um, kind of as the, the voting process goes along. Uh, in the National League, uh, not, a big, <laughs> not a big surprise here. I went with Fernando Tatis Jr. Uh, for yeah. me, he's the most uh, exciting player in baseball. Um, for a few different reasons, he hits a ton of home runs, but he's also missed a lot of games and and mm-hmm. he's committed a lot of errors. So he's exciting for kind of good and bad reasons. But um, even from opening day, when he avoided that that tag, I don't know if you saw that, but he did. Oh, yeah. sorry, I gotta spare myself here. He he did a great job <laughs> avoiding the tag, and he did that splits move later on that home run against Houston to tie the game. He's just electrifying. He's bringing more young fans to the game, and at the end of the day, that's what this is. It's an exhibition. It's supposed to be fun. That's a guy I really want to see. Um, some people might say Trey Turner or something like that, who's also a great player in his own regard. For me, you got to go Tatis Jr. Just make the pick. Don't think too hard about it. Don't overthink <laughs> it. it. Just uh, kind of move on
1: from there. I feel like Tatis and Vlad are two. Just, I mean, you can't argue. Them. <laughs> they are yeah. what they are. They're young. They're exciting. The major league baseball needs this because, as great as Mike Trout is, he's not super entertaining. Tatis and Vlad, um, Ronald Acuna, who I'm sure we'll talk about. Those guys are young and they're entertaining. They're bringing a lot to the game. I think it's a good thing for sure.
0: Yeah. Um, So moving on, third base, uh, I went with Rafael Devers. I kind of voted for a lot of Red Sox, which feels weird to me, but I'm trying to be unbiased (laughs) here. Uh, They've been a really surprising team, uh, and he's been a big reason why. 15 home runs. He hit that uh, rocket of a moonshot against the Yankees on uh, Friday which yeah. was just out of there, and it felt like it was under a second. Uh, he's been really impressive. He needs to work on his defense a little bit, but I think he's done enough uh, with the offensive numbers and uh, just his overall value to kind of negate uh, his defense, which still needs a bit of work.
1: Uh, how how as, much does defense ever play into <laughs> all star all-star nods?
0: You're, yeah, that's a good question. You know, I, I've i had a couple debates about this. Some people are more into the advanced metrics and the yeah. WOBA and the weighted uh, runs created and things like that. Uh, I look at that stuff more than defensive things. I, I do try to look at the full picture, but, I mean, come on, uh, we're not – Really looking at it, that's a great uh, point by you,
1: Vin. I mean, you know, if you're robbing home runs every other night, that's one thing. Lorenzo Cain had some years where it seemed like every night there was a stat of him or a a clip of him stealing somebody's home run. But it seems like overall we're looking, and especially in the day and age of fantasy baseball and how big it is, it's it's offensive stats. But, you know, if you make a bunch of errors, that should play a role in it for sure. Who you got in third base on the National League side?
0: I went with Chris Bryant. Um there was a bit, a bit of a toss-up here, but I thought his numbers were really impressive. Kind of a nice bounce-back year for Bryant um, and the Cubs. A lot of people thought they were going to be third, fourth-place sellers at the deadline. Uh, they've been really hot over the last month or so. They're, they find themselves in first place in the National League Central. And isn't it fitting that one of their stars from their 2016 World Series championship team is is one of the guys leading uh, leading that charge uh, to to the top of those standings? So. Uh, yeah. I think that uh, Brian deserves the nod for now. Um, there's a few other guys that are having good seasons, but uh, I didn't think too hard about that. He's an established veteran. He's having a really great year, and uh, w- we'll see how that goes.
1: Yeah, there's I'm with you on that one. Up. Yeah.
0: Okay, so uh, in the in the catcher category, I went with a couple of old favorites: uh, Salvador Perez, Kans yep. uh, Kansas City Royals. It'll be his seventh uh, All-Star appearance which is really quite impressive he's only 28 years old it seems like he's been around forever yeah. uh obviously he's been a part of those couple of World Series teams one that won it and the other one that lost it to the Giants but uh I I thought about Mike, Mike Zanino here of the Rays um I'm pretty high on the Rays they've been really great all year he's got really good power numbers but he's in more of a timeshare with uh Francisco Mejia mm-hmm. um and his average is a little under 200 right now so I didn't feel great about putting him there Um, again, defense isn't huge, uh, when it comes to this stuff, but Perez, for me, I think he's probably got the best arm among catchers, at least in the American league. And, uh, his power or his offensive numbers are great. So I went with him and then, uh, I went with Buster Posey in the national league. Um, you know, a lot of people thought his career was kind of winding down. He's playing in his age 34 (laughs) season right now. Uh, but he's kind of continued to turn the clock back and, uh, there's quite a few guys in the National League that are having really good seasons. Uh, Carson Kelly, um, Real Muto, uh, and even Yadier Molina. Age 38 season, he's he's hitting, uh, I believe, 279, something like that. So uh, he might make the team. And if he makes it, that'll be his 10th selection, which is really unbelievable. I think the guy's a Hall of Famer, first ballot, most likely, and uh, just had a great career. So a couple yeah, of the old guards there, if you will. <laughs>
1: (laughs) It's amazing the season Posey has had. Dad's a Giants fan, so he's been really happy with it. And, you you know, coming into the season last year, you had the prospect that came up and played last season. He didn't really do great in San Francisco, but that kind of seemed to be maybe changing of the guard happening, and you thought maybe Posey would get some more run at first base, but Brandon Belt's been okay there for them too. Posey coming along, that's probably one of the biggest reasons San Francisco's had such a good season so far. Is Posey yeah. coming back to form. Uh, I'm with you 100% on that one.
0: Okay, good to know. I think uh, Joey Bart was the uh, the prospect to yes. have kind of waiting yeah. in the wings there. Um, but he might have to wait uh, in those wings a little <laughs> bit uh, longer than, than he thought. Yeah. Uh, now we get to uh, the outfield. A um, bit of an interesting uh, mix of players there, especially in the American League. Um, I went with uh, Adolis uh, Garcia, the Rookie from the Texas Rangers. He's actually a 28-year-old rookie. There's a couple of older rookies this year. Himself and uh, your main Mercedes, Mercedes, who are really uh-huh. kind of lighting it up right now. Um, he's been really electrifying. He, great power numbers. He, he can really play the field as well. It's good to see Texas kind of have a kind of blossoming star. It's been a rough few years for some fans <laughs> <laughs> of uh, Rangers baseball. Uh, I also went with uh, Aaron Judge. He's had a nice uh, bounce back year. Uh, He's been able to stay on the field, which is the biggest uh, factor in that, I'd say. And I went with uh, Mitch Haniger, another guy who's having a nice comeback season. I think the Mariners have been decent. They've been kind of around 500, and uh, he's been a big reason why. Um, Considered Randall Grichuk here from the Blue Jays, he's having a really nice season. Top five, uh, I believe, in RBI. He's got over 40 RBI, and he's got 12 home runs as well. Played a pretty good center field for the most part, since we haven't had Springer play hardly any games. Uh, Yeah. For the Jays. So, um, I might change my picks there eventually. Feel pretty good about, uh, Garcia and Judge. I might mix that third selection in there, but, uh, so I've got,
1: uh, kind of the feel good story. Trey Mancini is the guy that I have over Garcia, um, in that slot. His stats are good. Baltimore's not good, but, uh, you know, it's nice to have a representation in the All-Star game. And for me, the story of Mancini's return from the cancer and everything is is pretty awesome. So I kind of went the sentimental route, I guess, with, with uh, Trey Mancini. But I got Haniger and Judge in there also.
0: Okay. You know, it's funny. Baltimore is having a really tough year. But Cedric Mullins, you mm-hmm. could also consider him as well. He's got really good numbers. He's got a war above two. And, uh, you know, good stolen base numbers, pretty underrated power as well. I don't think both of them will probably get in there, but just another kind of food for your, for your thought, perhaps, for a future ballot. Yeah. Now, um, in the National League, I went with uh, Ronald Acuna Jr. We kind of talked a little bit about him earlier. And I went with a couple of Reds. I felt weird about this. because they're, <laughs> they're You went with two Reds? I did, yeah. Oh, Next my goodness. I was leading the National League in batting average, so yeah. I, I felt weird about bad about not <laughs> having him on my ballot. And I went with Jesse Winker. Uh, yeah. He's had a great year. He's in the top five, I think, in average as well. Thought about Tyler O'Neill, Canadian as well, (laughs) Uh, but I don't want to vote for him just for that reason. Um, Again, Reds aren't having a great year, but I think they both deserve it. So unless one of them gets really cold or someone else heats up or whatever, I think I'm going to stay like that uh, for for the rest of the voting season, but uh, we'll see what happens.
1: So I guest appear on a, a local show most Saturday mornings and basically five minutes of, of my 20 to 25 minutes on the show is just bashing the Reds. Cause I live in Lexington, <laughs> Kentucky, south, just south of the Cincinnati. Okay. Um, I do have Castellanos on there as well. Um, I had Mookie Betts uh, in there as the third. I just feel like, you know, it's, He's going to end up being there anyhow. So, <laughs> Winker, yeah. I'm not a Winker fan. He's had some great games. He's had a good season for him, especially. Yep. Um, but you look at the Reds and you see that the batting average is not resulting in scores a lot of times for Cincinnati. And, uh, but I don't think you can ignore Castellanos on there for sure. Um, and you know, it's, it's the first ballot. So we've got time to make changes if That's it's necessary.
0: Right. Yeah. <laughs> You're, you're definitely right about that. I guess just one <laughs> other one other pick it would be the DH in the American League. Yeah. This is a bit of a controversial one. You could definitely go a lot of different routes here. I went with J.D. Martinez. I, I think he's having the best season. Uh, I mentioned Mercedes a bit earlier. Mm-hmm. And a lot of people say you got to have Otani in there. Um, yeah. He's a great player. He's an exciting player. Um, he's been pitching really well lately, too. He hit a 16th home run of the season the other day. I think he should be on the team. Um, but if I'm voting starters, I think Martinez has been a little bit better. His average is quite a bit better, um, and I, I just think he's a, he's a bit of a better player. So,
1: yeah, and I think I think you're going to be on the pesky report later this week, right?
0: Yes, yes, I yeah, will. So, uh, so they'll be happy.
1: They'll be happy to hear about JD Martinez uh, in the in there. I agree. I think I've been yeah. surprised by Boston as a whole, but by JD Martinez, of course. That means you've got three Red Sox, right?
0: <laughs> yeah. I what am I doing? Yeah. <laughs> and no Ways, which is uh, kind of crazy. That might change eventually, but trying yeah. to be unbiased. And the other weird thing I found about my ballot to kind of poke holes in my own ballot <laughs> before someone else does is I, I don't have any White Sox, and they've been mm. arguably the, the best or the second best team in the American League, uh, either yep. them or the Rays. Um, but I think it's sometimes the sum is greater than uh, the, the team is greater than the sum of its parts, if you will. Yep. They've gotten good managing, they've gotten really good starting pitching, which we haven't really talked about. Uh, yeah. the pitchers yet so um we'll see what shakes out in the next few weeks but that's that's what I've got so far I feel pretty good about it obviously some people can can disagree or say this and that but uh I feel I feel pretty good about it and I feel great that we actually have an all-star game like I said
1: yeah and is probably one of the is probably one of the guys to consider but I yeah. got Devers there too dad what do you got other than San Francisco Giants what do you got
2: um no I mean I I pretty much agree um with all that, um, was pretty much right there on everything. There are a lot of good third basemen in the National League. I think Bryant makes sense. But there's two or three guys. And, again, you have to have a giant. Longorio's having a great year. Probably not all-star material, all-star starter material. And Riley has really picked it up from the Braves. There are several good ones. And, of course, the Cardinals third baseman um, are and, uh, still yeah. American League outfield, Ben had a great year. Again, I don't know that he bumps any of those guys uh, there. And it's interesting you talking about Winkler. I don't know if you've seen today, but I think he has three home runs and is going no. crazy. So <laughs> um, here I'm in Ohio, so they're, they're at least excited about him. Him and Castellanos give them something to be excited about. Looks like Grisham from San Diego is having a fairly good year um, too. And we talked a lot about San Diego before the year uh, started. So um, basically, everything else, you know, I, I'd have to agree with that. I mean, I like Altuve. Uh, I know the, the questions about that, but he's having a good—he's having a good year <laughs> um, there. the same way, both on my fantasy team um, and <laughs> in the real thing, the Houston first baseman Garell. He's doing real well, too. But, again, he's not Black Guerrero, so I understand that. <laughs> um, I, I grew up really enjoying all-star games. Uh, it was a big deal back then. And I think there's potential. Um, you know, a lot of exciting guys. People, you could draw people back to watch the all-star game if they get the right people in with some of this young talent. And being, being it's a Colorado, anything that happens. So. Yeah,
1: you got it. <laughs> Colorado's a great great place to hit some baseballs. Uh, no doubt about that. Should make a fun home run derby a good all-star game as well. Uh, Graham, tell everybody where they can follow you on social media and where they can find uh, your writings.
0: Yeah, thank you. Uh, uh, it's, it'll be uh, Graham uh, W underscore bus. Uh, the bus stands for Belly Up Sports. Um, I have the same thing for my Instagram. That'll be on Twitter on Instagram as well. Uh, You could find me on, on Facebook. It's just my name, Graham Wallace. Um, I typically write uh, posts about the blue Jays. I did a bit of a break from that this week. I did the all-star game roundup thing. Uh, I'll be coming out with a post a little bit later on uh, today. So you can find that at bellyupsports.com. It's usually under the baseball category or sometimes in the featured category as well. So uh, yeah, come find me on Twitter. I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear some comments. And uh, really great uh, to kind of have some interaction with some of my belly up uh, family, belly up team. Uh, I I put this out there on the the baseball page and great to get some responses uh, from that. And great to have you uh, have me as a guest on your show and uh, really excited to be on the pesky report a little bit later on uh, next week as well.
1: Yeah so I'm having two Canadians on this week. We got Rod Peterson coming on Tuesday yeah, and uh Graham on today and we will obviously tag Graham in our Twitter post when we uh post out the the um podcast version of this episode and so you can just click on his his twitter handle there on the post and follow him and everything from there and of course go visit bellyupsports.com and read all of graham's writing as well graham thank you so much for taking the time to be with us we'll have you on again sometime probably closer maybe to uh playoff season something like that we'll talk to you again
0: yeah thank you so much vince i hope my blue jays are in there and uh you guys (laughs) enjoy uh the rest of your sunday
1: Uh, thanks graham
0: okay see
1: ya see ya all right, that's Graham Wallace from BellyUpsports.com. Uh great uh, great conversation there with him about the major league baseball all star dad. I was pretty much right with them all along. I had a couple differences um there in the AL outfield um and in the NL outfield, but pretty much in first base. I had Freddie Freeman from Atlanta at first base. Um but overall, pretty much pretty much right down the line with him. Any any major thoughts or differences with him?
2: Uh no, not really. Like I said, you know, it'll be interesting to see how the voting goes. Um, but again, I, I think, you know, he was selecting the guys that'll make for a great team and make for watching the game. And um there's a lot of guys at this point of the season who have the stats that are all pretty equal. May not be that way at the first of next month, so we'll see.
1: Yeah. All right, well, let's transition out of baseball and on to the NHL. Of course, we're in the uh, second round of the playoffs in the NHL. Montreal leads 2-0 over Winnipeg. Colorado 2-1 in the series over Vegas. Boston and the Islanders are tied up at two apiece. And then Tampa Bay up 3-1 over Carolina as it sits during this recording. Two things I want to talk about real quick, though, Dad. Let's start with the Scheifele hit. Uh, this was made big news. A lot of people talking about it. He ends up getting suspended for four games and chose not to appeal the suspension. I watched this this hit a lot, <laughs> Look back at it, and I just didn't see the penalty. I didn't see a four-game suspension if the, um, oh, and I don't have it written down, the guy that he hit, had he gotten up and skated off? I mean, we're not even talking about this other than a great hit in my opinion at least. I don't understand the suspension. I don't understand why you wouldn't appeal the suspension. But uh, I don't think I've asked you yet about this. So what are your thoughts on the scheifel hit? Does it warrant a suspension? Did you see the 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 illegalness of the hit or or what's what do you think on this?
2: Well, again, I think um they took that guy off on a stretcher at the end yep. of the game. So, you know, there was definite potential for injury. Um, I've enjoyed watching. There have been great hockey games in the playoffs. Historically, the um, officials swallow the whistle in the playoffs, and that's been true. But to me, it's been very physical. Mm -hmm. Um, Just a lot of the series is just very, very physical. Uh, It's fun to watch, but I think when you get to the end of the game, um, there can be a lot of emotion and um, a lot of build-up, you know, things that we don't see or things that we don't hear. And, um, you know, you had an empty net goal, and he just was, had, it was fed up. Um, the, as meditated as it seemed to be, the guy made a long run at the guy. The game was over. Um, you can't have people get hurt. Um, you have to be careful with that. I mean, you know, if you get hurt checking and that kind of stuff, that's all part of it. Um, But I I think it was excessive, whether it was four games or not, you know, playoff games. That is pretty extreme uh, because it's going to have an effect probably on the playoffs. Um, But, um, you know, I I think it definitely warranted a penalty.
1: So when he made contact, the puck was not across the goal line yet. So. Ultimately, he was trying to stop the goal, obviously, and some say he even slowed up a little bit before the hit. He didn't hit him in the head, which he didn't get called for hitting him in the head. Uh, he got called for charging. Was the penalty on the ice five minutes for charging? Um, you know, you say we can't have people getting hurt, but it's hockey. I mean, <laughs> you know, I, I know, I know, we're in a society that that uh, you know is afraid of people falling down, but. You know, I don't know. To me, especially a for any suspension, I didn't think it was warrant of any sus- suspension. If you call the penalty on the ice, so be it. You say the game's over, but if he stops skating, if he stops playing, he's going to get benched because he didn't try. So uh, to me, it was a no-win situation for Scheifel. Uh, I'm shocked they're not appealing the suspension, um, you know, and try to get it down to one or two games because... Four games in the middle of the playoffs, that's not ideal. So I was surprised by it. Uh, we're going to talk with Rod Peterson about it on Tuesday, and uh, he's shared his thoughts already, but want to get some final thoughts from him on it as well. The other NHL topic that we want to discuss is they announced today um, the NHL and the Canadian government worked out a deal so that during the playoffs, Americans can travel into Canada for the games, the players can travel into Canada for the games, but there's going to be heightened protocols. So they're going to get tested every day. They're going to be, uh, quarantined and bubbled while they're there in Canada. They're not allowed to have any, um, any contact with the outside world, uh, as far as leaving the bubble or anything like that. They're going to go in, they're going to play the games and they're going to come back to America. This makes sense from the, you know, the idea of getting actual home games in Canada in the playoffs and helping the Canadian teams. To me, this is a massive, massive, massive advantage for the Canadian team because of you're talking about changing everything that the American team, whoever it is that's traveling into Canada, everything they've done all season now is going to be different for this two games when they travel up to Canada. And to me, it just, it just makes it an incredible advantage, uh, home advantage for Canada in this situation, whoever the Canadian team is that comes out. Um, I, I don't know. I mean, overall, I guess it's a good thing because Canada gets the chance to play in their home ice, but this one's weird to me. What are your thoughts? Uh, don't be too rough on Canada because we're going to be bringing in some Canadian uh, audiences here this week, but <laughs> but what are your thoughts on this, this decision made by Canada and the NHL? Oh, we lost him. He, uh he cut off there just a second. We'll get him back to get his thoughts on this. Um, usually we got about three more minutes before he cuts out, <laughs> but today it goes a little bit early. He'll be back with us in just a second, but we're talking about the NHL and the playoffs and the decisions that were made. I want to remind you if you're listening to us, so we are presented by Skull Candy and Yeti Coolers. We provided a link for you to use in the podcast notes or in the description of the YouTube video. If you'll use those links, to go visit Skull Candy or Yeti Coolers, they'll know that we sent you. And if you purchase anything, you'll be helping out uh, the uh, the podcast as well. We've got Dad back now. Okay, so we're asking about the um, the C- Canada decision to go with the uh, uh, heightened protocols, so to say, for the American teams that come in. Uh, your thoughts on that?
2: I think it will be an advantage for the Canadian teams. Again, I can see where the NHL. Um, wanted to do this. Um, I've kind of wondered all along. I think the fact that they didn't decide anything early um, has kind of gotten into this situation now. Um, I think it will be a disadvantage um, for the American teams going in. like you said, it's not their normal system at all. They haven't been quarantined all year. Um, It'll be interesting with the matchup here because you're going to have the best team going up there first. Probably, probably Colorado. Um, so I think we'll see right off. If Colorado goes up there and struggles, then it's, it's going to bring more attention to it. Um, the Canadian teams will be the fourth seed. Um, so it'll be, you know, it, it'll be interesting there. They really haven't said much yet about the Canadian teams coming down here. Is they're going to, you know, what's their restrictions going to be? Because Canada's are going to be concerned about them going back into Canada. So, um, and maybe that'll come out more in the next day or so. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, in some ways it's, it's good, but I've wandered all along and we've asked guys that we've had on, Hey, how are they going to do the playoffs? And it was, well, we're going to wait and see, you know, they're going to wait and see, you know, where everything is going on in our country. And like I said, things are really relaxed here. Everybody's being careful, but luckily where sports is kind of getting back to normal. Um, there won't be anything normal about this. So <laughs> like you said the other day, it's different watching those games in Canada on TV with no crowd. That's a, that, that's a different – and that'll be a different thing for the United States too. They're used to big crowds now, a lot of excitement, you know, and now they'll all be pumped in. So I think it, it could definitely be an advantage um, for the Canadian teams. And um, I'm sure it's a concession the NHL had to make.
1: Yeah. And you know, I don't know how often the players are tested currently in America. Um, but you're talking about daily COVID tests, and that could affect you know, down the you know, later on in that series or even into the next series, it could affect things with um having to be quarantined and stuff like that. If someone tests positive, we've already went through rounds of false positives and things like that. To me, I'd be terrified if I was on the American team going into Canada thinking, you know, you think back to the 70s and 80s when people would do whatever they could to knock out star players, food poisoning or anything like that. Now you look at, hey, all Canada has to do is is have a false positive on this test and the best player in the NHL isn't allowed to play in the series. So that'll be interesting and a little bit of fun politics mixed in there, some conspiracy theories thrown in there as well. Uh, let's move to the NBA. We'll finish out our episode today with some NBA talk in the midst of the playoffs right now. Uh, earlier today, we're recording on Sunday. Atlanta defeats Philadelphia in Philadelphia. So they take a 1-0 lead in the series. A very exciting game. I had a few thoughts on that on Twitter. You can go look um, at Sports Stove on those thoughts. One was I was starting to question if whether maybe The NBA wanted Philadelphia to win the way the end of the game was going, but Atlanta pulls it off. Dallas and the Clippers are playing, as we record, Game 7, the last first-round game in the NBA playoffs. The winner goes on to face Utah, and by the time you're listening to this on the podcast version, that game will be over and you will know who won. Brooklyn leads Milwaukee 1-0. James Harden injured early in the first game and out. Uh, so that series could get interesting. We'll see if Milwaukee can compete with KD and Kyrie. And then Phoenix and Denver will face off as well in round two. Three coaching openings currently in the NBA. Uh, Boston, of course, earlier uh, we heard this week, Danny Ainge steps down. Uh, Brad Stevens gets promoted uh, up to the front office. Now they'll be looking to hire a coach a few names that are out there uh, internally for Boston and G League-related, Jay Lorenga and Jerome Allen are possibilities. Then uh, names like Kara Lawson, who was an assistant and now coaches women's basketball at South Carolina, I believe. Um, she was in Boston before, so she's a name that's come up. Sam Cassell and Chauncey Billups, two former point guards, uh, they're in the runnings as well. Then Portland and Orlando, both making coaching changes. Terry Stotts is out. Um, Dame Lillard said, I want Jason Kidd to be my coach. Jason Kidd said, I'm taking my name out of consideration for Portland. So Jason Kidd, not an option for Portland, which means he's probably the Celtics guy, uh, the way that sounds to me. But uh, Portland names that are out there right now, Chauncey Billups, Jeff Van Gundy, Mike D'Antoni, and Michigan head coach, Jawan Howard. This is the second time I've heard Jawan Howard's name Come up for NBA coaching jobs, Dad. I, you know, is there any chance Jawan Howard leaves Michigan to go to the NBA?
2: Um, I would think so. Um, I would think of something they would, you know, that he would consider. Um, yeah, you know, I, I mean, unless he just doesn't want to go to the NBA. Um, from there, uh, again, he's had great success at Michigan. Uh, Big Ten is a conference that's really doing well. And, uh, I would think, I would think there'd be a chance to attract him. Uh, I wouldn't be shocked if he stayed in Michigan either.
1: Uh, yeah. I don't know how he can go in what two years ago and talk about, you know, I'm back. We're bringing it back. Michigan's going to be back, all that kind of stuff. And then after two years, take off for another job. But to me, it's almost like he has to stay at Michigan and rebuild and, and try to get a championship there. And until he does or until it's obvious he's not going to, aka Jim Harbaugh, uh then then it'll be time to leave. Uh that'll be interesting though. Uh I like Mike D'Antoni. Um, we'd be a great fit in Portland with the roster they have. Chauncey Billups should get an opportunity to coach here very soon. Jeff Van Gundy, I would not hire Jeff Van Gundy um at all. And uh, you know, I just I think he's passed past his time there. Orlando, they're going with their head coach, Steve Clifford. Um, they are in rebuild mode, so I expect them to hire someone with no head coaching experience, or at least not NBA head coaching experience, maybe somebody that's already in the organization, maybe another young up-and-comer kind of guy as they look to rebuild. Uh, they traded Vucevic this this season to Chicago. They got some draft picks out of that. Some young players there already. Definitely an opportunity uh, there as well. Um, you know, it's interesting though, Dan, we're in the middle of the NBA playoffs. We talked about it in the last episode and you got some guys that are starting to stand out. Trey young is one of them his, uh, um you, I don't think you've watched any Hawks games yet, but he has been uh dynamic, his personality. He is, he's taken on the villain role in the playoffs and uh, he's happy to be wearing that black cowboy hat and coming into town and destroying fans, hopes and dreams right in front of their very eyes. And today to watch this team play against Philadelphia, they were just dominant. They uh I mean the, the the end score is close. And if you go back and watch the highlights, you'll probably not understand how good the Hawks looked at times in this game. But um, you know, I don't think the 76ers will ever win a championship with Ben Simmons and Joel Embiid on the same team. And we will wait and see if that comes true or if that transitions uh and they are able to pull it off. Doc Rivers, the head coach there in Philadelphia. But um I don't know. I've got no confidence in Philadelphia for sure. All right, Dad. Uh we gotta say goodbye for this episode. We've got Skull Candy and Yeti Coolers. Make sure you click the links on there. Uh later this week, Tuesday night, eight PM, we'll be live on YouTube. I'll have Rod Peterson from the Rod Peterson Show, uh Canada's Daytime Sports Talk host. Will be with us. It'll be uh, just me and Rod on Tuesday, and we're going to talk all kinds of stuff. We're going to talk NHL. We're going to talk a lot of football, CFL, XFL, USFL, maybe even get into some NFL things. We're going to talk some general sports topics. Really looking forward to the conversation with Rod Peterson. That'll be Tuesday, eight PM live on YouTube, and then of course it will come out later tuesday evening on the podcast version uh there and then on thursday we got jamal simmons uh he's a writer for bellyupsports.com he's going to come on to talk nba with us as well and uh hopefully dad will be back with us on thursday and we'll have more sports conversations keeping you up to date on everything that's happening uh, around the sports world dad before we close there's been zero progress on the aaron Rodgers front you are a minority owner of the Green Bay Packers. Give us some inside info. What's going on with Aaron Rodgers? Is he going to stay in Green Bay? Are we going to see him retire or traded? It?
2: Um, it doesn't look like he's going to be traded. I wouldn't know why they wouldn't have done that right away if they were going to. I think they're going to hold to their guns. Um, I'm not sure what the sticking point or if he's gotten to a point where he said, okay, if you do this, I'll be back. I'd uh, be interesting from what we've heard Monday, all the wide receivers could be back at um, practice. Again, they don't want to get fined. Um, has already said he'll be there um, again. You know, I don't know if Aaron Rodgers will show up Monday, but um, you know, <laughs> I, it's not going to retire. So I, I, I don't know. Um, you would like to think there's, there's something that they've just got to get worked out. Um, you know, again, I think it'd be a help. Obviously, if he's going to play, then it's going to be a help to be involved in uh, minicamp. But I don't know that he will be. Um, Again, if he's not gone, then it's still a possibility. I saw where the president said, you know, it's divided the fan base um, from there. But the fan base will come back pretty quickly. If Aaron Rodgers come back, there's people that won't forget what he did, but it'll depend on how he explains it and how things go um, from there. Uh, Like they said, you know, Brett Favre was the villain. Brett Favre went to Minnesota. (laughs) And Field was full of people to welcome Brett Favre into the Packer Hall of Fame. So, um, you know, it's not a done deal. Aaron Rodgers is a little different than that, but um, we will see. Also, I hope you've noticed I'm trying to help you out. I wore my crimson shirt today to try to let Nate Oates know that we want him on the podcast.
1: Nate Oates, you got to come on, man. We, we've been trying to get, get you. Your, your gatekeeper has shut us down, and uh, we're really nice people. And, uh, of course, I know Nate's dad. Um, he was a teacher of mine, a professor in college, sadly, me and Nate's dad don't have a great relationship, even though he was my professor in college that might actually hurt us more than it helps us. But, uh, nonetheless, (laughs) hopefully we can get, uh, Nate on one of these days. I appreciate that. Dad, you also had a, um, an interesting baseball stat or fact, um, all-star fact. Do you still have that with you?
2: I do. I do. Um, when I, this happened kind of when I was a youngster, so I remember when it happened. But in 1970 was the first year that they had fans have a write-in vote on the All-Star game. And um, they had that year, there was a guy who had been left off the ballot in spring training who was just going crazy through April and May and June and actually won the National League batting title that year. And he was a right in uh, Rico Cardi from the Atlanta Braves, and he was a starter. You had Hank Aaron, Rico Cardi, and the great Willie Mays all starting in the outfield, and um, that was and that was the start of fans being involved once again to have right ins and then later on to be able to vote people in the All Star game, which was a great thing because it involved people, and um, and you know, you, you, baseball needs the fans. Back then, they had the fans. Fully on their side, but a lot's happened so then.
1: All right. Very nice. Good find uh, there, Dad. I want to give a quick shout out to the Behind the Mike podcast, Behind the T H A, Behind the Mike podcast. Um, part of the Belly Up family. I finally got around to listening to it this weekend. Phenomenal podcast. Uh, NFL history. His most recent uh, episode was about how the teams got their names um really really great podcast and i wish i would have listened to it earlier and i finally got around to it so shout out if you're listening today and you like the nfl and nfl history he's got a ton of of episodes there with with lots of history so look that up behind the mic podcast we'll have mike on the this podcast here in the future as we get a little closer to the nfl season but uh um, wanted to give him a shout out because it really is a terrific podcast and there are several good podcasts on the uh, belly up network. There are some knots so, no, I'm just kidding. They're all fine. Uh, <laughs> they don't all make the all star game, but they're all good podcasts, but behind the mic podcast worth, worth your time to take a listen to, uh, there as well. All right, dad. Thank you so much for being with us. We sure appreciate Graham Wallace joining us earlier today as well. Make sure you go and follow Graham and look at his writings. He's got good stuff there on bellyupsports.com. Go visit the links for Yeti coolers and for skull candy. And until next time, which will be Tuesday at 8 p.m. on YouTube and on the podcast uh, when we have Rod Peterson on, we'll see you around the sports stove.